This is really just a heads up for tonight's Bible passage. Uh, So tonight uh, we're covering Judges chapters 19 to 21. And I wanted to give you a warning that uh, this passage touches on some really uh, difficult topics. There's uh, references to rape and uh, violence against women and uh, that may be confronting for some of you. Okay, Uh, Judges 20 starting at verse 1. Then all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and from the land of Gilead, came together as one and assembled before the Lord in Mitzpah. The leaders of all the people of the tribes of Israel took their places in the assembly of God's people, 400,000 men armed with swords. The Benjaminites heard that the Israelites had gone up to Mitzpah. Then the Israelites said, Tell us how this awful thing happened. So the Levite The husband of the murdered woman said, I and my concubine came to Gibeah in Benjamin to spend the night. During the night, the men of Gibeah came after me and surrounded the house, intending to kill me. They raped my concubine and she died. I took my concubine, cut her into pieces, and sent one piece to each region of Israel's inheritance because they committed this lewd and outrageous Act in Israel. Now, all you Israelites, speak up and tell me what you have decided to do. All the men rose up together as one, saying, None of this will go home. None of us, rather, will go home. No, not one of us will return to his house. But now, this is what we'll do to Gibeah. We'll go up against it in order to decide by casting lots. We'll take ten men out of every hundred from all the tribes of Israel, and a hundred from a thousand, and a thousand from ten thousand, to get provisions for the army. Then, when the army arrives at Gibeah, in Benjamin, it can give them what they deserve for this outrageous act done in Israel. So all the Israelites got together and united as one against the city. The tribes of Israel sent messengers throughout the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What about this awful crime that was committed among you? Now turn those wicked men of Gibeah over to us, so that we may put them to death and purge evil from Israel. But the Benjaminites would not listen to their fellow Israelites. Judges uh, chapter 21, beginning at verse 15. 21 from verse 15. The people grieved for Benjamin because the Lord had made a gap in the tribes of Israel. And the elders of the assembly said, With the women of Benjamin destroyed, how shall we provide wives for the men who are left? The Benjaminite survivors must have their heirs, they said, so that a tribe of Israel will not be wiped out. We can't give them our daughters as wives, since we Israelites have taken this oath. Cursed be anyone who gives a wife to a Benjaminite. But look, there is the annual festival of the Lord in Shiloh, which lies north of Bethel, east of the road that goes from Bethel to Shechem and south of Lebanon. So they instructed the Benjaminites, saying, Go and hide in the vineyards and watch. When the young women of Shiloh come out to join in the dancing, rush from the vineyards 
and each of you sees one of them to be your wife. Then return to the land of Benjamin. When their fathers or brothers complain to us, we will say to them, do us the favor of helping them, because we did not get wives for them during the war. You will not be guilty of breaking your oath, because you did not give your daughters to them. So that this is what the Benjaminites did. While the young women were dancing, each man caught one and carried her off to be his wife. Then they returned to their inheritance and rebuilt the towns and settled in them. At that time, the Israelites left that place and went home to their tribes and clans, each to his own inheritance. In those days, Israel had no king. Evron did as they saw fit. Well, uh, Judges 19 to 21 are, I think, among the most confronting chapters of the Bible. We didn't read chapter 19, but it is an awful story. A woman is cast out into a crowd, abandoned by her husband, and left for dead. Uh, She's raped by violent men. And then uh, she's cut limb from limb, and the pieces are sent to the 12 tribes of Israel as a call for war. Uh, The other chapters are no better. Men, women and children are brutally wiped out in revenge. And then still other women are abducted and forced into marriage. These are shocking chapters. But I don't need to tell you that violence against women is still a problem. Thousands of years have come and gone since judges and yet... It still happens. How often do we hear about footy players uh, of all codes, really, accused of rape and domestic violence? And we really only hear about them because they're famous. The same stuff is happening all the time. In 2017, there was a report uh, into sexual assault and sexual harassment at Australian universities and it found that 21% of students were sexually harassed and 1.6% were sexually assaulted on campus, just at uni. This isn't a far-off problem. But the Bible doesn't shy away from human evil. It tackles it head-on. It doesn't pretend that it doesn't exist. And so we need to tackle it too. We need to look at these chapters and think about them if we're going to be any different to the world around us. Even though it is a heavy passage, I don't uh, want us uh, to just think about the emotion of this passage. I, want to, uh, I don't want to exploit that. Uh, so I do want to dis- dissect it a little bit. Uh, because the way that these events are reported help to give us the meaning See, these chapters are written so they remind us of events earlier in the Old Testament. And it does that, it points back to other stories in the Old Testament because uh, those stories help to show us the real problem underneath all these terrible events. The real issue has to do with Israel's failure to be different. Israel's failure to be different. 
See, that was uh, all part of who Israel were. That was their special identity. They were to be God's holy people, God's people following God's law. It was going to make them different. But they weren't. In fact, they were worse. And so we're going to see uh, the two events that this passage points back to. Uh, They were worse than Sodom and worse than I. Worse than Sodom, worse than I. And uh, finally, we're going to see they reap what they have sown. Worse than Sodom, worse than I, reaping what they've sown. So firstly... Uh, worse than Sodom. Flick back to chapter 19. Um, the story starts with a Levite. Just like Israel were meant to be set apart and, and holy and different, uh, the Levites were set apart within Israel. They were set apart to be priests, uh, to be teachers of the law, serving at the temple. And this Levite has a concubine uh, who has been unfaithful. And so he goes to get her back. Actually starts out um, not too bad. He, he goes to speak tenderly to her, to win her back. But things go wrong. Her father shows them this, this awkwardly large amount of hospitality and, and so they keep trying to leave and he's like, no, no, stay a bit longer, stay a bit longer. It's kind of like when you're messaging someone and it's clear that they want to keep on chatting but you need to get back to work. You're like, okay, yeah, see ya. And so they don't get to leave straight away. And so when they leave, it's late. And so let's read from chapter 19, verse 11. Here's what happens once they've left. Uh, When they were near Jebus, the day was nearly over. And the servant said to his master, Come now, let us turn aside to this city of the Jebusites and spend the night in it. And his master said to him, We will not turn aside into the city of foreigners who do not belong to the people of Israel, but we will pass on to Gibeah. See, it's a fateful delay and a fateful decision. Can you see how in this story Israel are meant to be different? They decide not to stay in the city of foreigners. That would be too dangerous. No, no, let's go on to stay with the people of Israel. But it turns out that they're no different. In fact, they're worse. Because from here on, the story follows the same path as the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19. Uh, Even if you don't know the story, uh, you might know that name, Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like a, a, a kind of shorthand for evil and wickedness. And have a look at these uh, two stories and look at how similar they are. I've got them lined up here on the screen. Uh, So this is Genesis 19 and Judges 19. Uh, Both stories start with travellers about to spend the night in the town square. Uh, But a foreigner to the place who who lives there um, sees them and and takes them in and shows them hospitality. Uh, Next thing that happens, I've got a bit of delay here, So the next thing that happens, uh, in both accounts, the men of the city surround the house and demand to have sex with the men who are in the house. And in both, 
the host begs them not to. Begs them not to. And then finally, we see that in both stories, women are offered as a replacement. It's a terrible scene. Uh, Of course, this is where the two stories diverge, right? In Genesis, uh, Lot and his family are rescued um, by the two visitors uh, who turn out to be angels of the Lord. And so God's people escape this wicked pagan city. But here, in Judges, the Levite is completely heartless and he pushes his wife out the door and he goes to bed. Now, I've tried to lay it out in a somewhat functional way because, you know, I want to take the heat out of it. I want want us to kind of see it for what it is. I want us to look at this passage without being overwhelmed by the emotion of it. But really, that's impossible, isn't it? Because the reality of it keeps on punching us in the face. He handed her over. He pushed her out the door to save himself, a Levite. But he did that because the men of the city demanded to rape these visitors. But this is Israel. This isn't Sodom. These people were meant to be different. They went past Canaanite towns to get here. Israel are worse than Sodom. They've failed to live distinct, holy lives. And so even though this passage doesn't say anything explicit about God's judgment, I think we're meant to see that right here because that's what happens to Sodom. Uh, God rains down fire in judgment on them. And I think that similarity is meant to show us actually God's judgment is on Israel here as well. It really is. Because just because something's in the Bible doesn't mean God endorses it. And just because it doesn't say it explicitly doesn't mean that God doesn't condemn this powerfully and totally. He certainly does. Things in the story get even darker. The Levite gets up the next morning and he finds his concubine there on the doorstep and he says to her, get up, time to go. And it really is as harsh as it sounds. He has no compassion on her. And he dumps her on his donkey and off they go. Uh, Later on in the bit that we read in chapter 20, when he retells the story to other people in Israel, uh, he says that she died. But in the actual account of the story in chapter 19, we're never told that. He just yells at her and there's no answer. So is she dead? Is she mostly dead? Is she just dead to him? He doesn't care. He cuts her up into 12 pieces and sends them around to the 12 tribes of Israel. It's like a serial killer leaving a calling card. He wants to stir them into action to pay back the people who did this. And that's exactly what happens. But have a look. Have a look at verse 30. Again, we're kind of, we, we've been drawn to the, the point, the meaning of this. They say, such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. See, this is unprecedented. God's people were never meant to be like this. Never. They were meant to be different. 
but they're not. They're worse than Sodom. Now, we need to pause at this point because this story is so awful, right? It's so awful that it's hard to relate. It's hard to think about how it connects to us. But I think that underlying principle is still the same. It still applies to God's people. We need to ask ourselves the question, how different are we to the world around us? I'm really encouraged when I see Christians living differently to their culture, differently in terms of marriage and dating, all kinds of things. We need to keep on asking that question, how are we different? How do we act differently to the world around us? And as I've reflected on this passage uh, through this week, I think one place where this difference uh, should really hit home is on the subject of pornography. Right? Um, our culture has such a loose view about porn. It's fine. You know, it's not a big deal. Whatever. Uh, when Leanna and I lived at one of the colleges at UWA, the students uh, gave out a mock award for the first person who got caught watching porn on the college network. It was just a joke to them. An absolute joke. But God's people should be different. We should not be like the world around. We can't just copy their loose view of porn and sexuality. God calls us to holiness and to purity. And we shouldn't think that it's okay just because everyone's doing it. God calls us to be different. Now, if if porn is, is something that's been a struggle for you, I'd love you to reach out to me or to Ez. Um, it's, it's really important to do that. Don't believe the lie that you're the only one who struggles with this as a Christian. Uh, don't believe the lie that we shouldn't talk about it. Actually, we should. We should help each other to tackle this together. And we'd love to help you to live differently. And I know it's hard. It takes a lot to do that. Um, but that's what God has called us to Okay, uh, let's jump back into Judges. Let's jump in at chapter 20. Uh, Israel, um, as they receive this awful message, they're spurred into action and they go to war against Gibeah and uh, their tribe, the people of Benjamin. And here we see that Israel are worse than I. Now, uh, the story of I is probably less well-known. It's back in the book of Joshua, Israel are entering the land for the first time. And Ai is one of the first major cities that Israel defeats. And the whole idea of the battle is that they need to get rid of the wickedness of the Canaanites. They can't let it filter in among them. And the battle against the Benjaminites follows the same pattern. Again, let's take a look. Let's lay it out. Uh, In both... There's an ambush. How's my button? There we go. Oh. There we go. Uh, In both, there's an ambush. Um, And in both of the stories, they kind of pretend to be beaten. They kind of give ground and and then go ahead. And then in both, what happens is uh, the ones being attacked uh, look back and they see the smoke of the city going up to heaven. And that's when they realise that it's all over. 
And so they kind of there's these similarities that uh, are all there, and they're deliberate, right? Because here in Judges, Israel once again are gathered to 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 drive out this wickedness from among them. That's their purpose. But this time, it's not the Canaanites. It's them. They're driving out themselves. They're the ones who need to be driven out because they're worse than I. See, it's an awful thing when God's people are no different than the world around them. And that's uh, part of why it was so tragic when the Royal Commission a few years back found so many cases of sexual abuse within different churches. It was, it was tragic for the evil itself, but also because it was in the church, the very place that was meant to be different, to find out that churches were no better and that churches hadn't been safe place, places for kids to be. And so that's why, as, as a church now, we need to respond so strongly. We need to go to serious lengths to make sure that that never happens again. We can't have evil like that in our churches. We must be distinct in our holiness. So we've seen how Israel are worse than Sodom, worse than I, and finally we see Israel reap what they've sown. Israel uh, don't just defeat Benjamin. Actually, they kill everyone they can find. Men, women, animals, everything. And when the dust settles, uh, they realise that they've essentially wiped out the entire tribe. Only 600 men escape the battle. And that's kind of where we picked up the reading in chapter 21. Because they've wiped out uh, almost the whole tribe, but they've also made an oath uh, that none of them would give their daughters in marriage to the people of Benjamin. And so there's men left, but there's no women left. And they've made this oath. They have compassion on the people of Benjamin, finally. But they're stuck. They can't go against their oath. And if you've been with us here through this series in Judges, that might be ringing some bells for you. Where have we heard that before? Uh, it's just like uh, earlier on. It sounds like Jephthah, doesn't it? He was the guy who made that oath that led to him sacrificing his daughter. A stupid oath that misunderstood God. See, this time the passage doesn't just point back to Genesis or to Joshua. It points back to the rest of Judges. And it says, look, Israel are getting exactly what they deserve for all of this stuff that's been going on. It's like all the failures of the book of Judges have come together at this point. It's like a a magnifying glass focusing all the, the burning heat of the sun into a single point. All their sin throughout this whole book, come back on them. And you see it all in these chapters. Revenge and violence, an ill-conceived oath, atrocities against women. It's like they've sown the wind and they reap the whirlwind. See, God is letting them have the consequences of their sin. And so Benjamin uh, almost wiped out. And so, uh, to fix that problem, they think, wait, 
There was that town that didn't come and help us fight, so they didn't take the oath. Let's take their women. And so they go to that town and they kill all the men and they take their women. But that's still not enough. So they think, wait, what if we don't give them the women, but we let them take the women? Then we wouldn't be breaking our oath. Let's do that. Aren't these great solutions? It's terrible. They are reaping what they have sown. Chapter 19 starts with a horrific rape. And it ends with many women being taken by force. The rape of many women. They reap what they've sown. And don't mistake it, this is God's judgment on them. They've become even worse than the pagan nations around them and God gives them over to the consequences. Worse than Sodom, worse than I, reaping what they've sown. Uh, here at Union Church, we think that it's important to read the Old Testament. Um, we think it's important because of the way that the whole Bible uh, points forward to Jesus. But how does a passage like this point us forward to Jesus? With all of its horror and its abuse of women, how does that work? Well, often what the Old Testament does is it shows us the problem. It shows us how bad things are and it looks squarely at that. It wants to show us God's judgment on evil, how God feels about all that. And it wants to point us forward to Jesus as the one who will set that right. And so turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We won't be going back to Judges, so you can flick all the way over uh, to Ephesians 5. You can all have a little brain break while you turn the pages. Ephesians 5, and let's read from verse 25. And see, see for yourself how Jesus treats his bride. 525, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water, with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she may be holy and without blemish. See, Jesus has a bride, and it's the church. And he doesn't shove her out to save his own skin. He does the opposite, doesn't he? He gives himself up for her to save her. He goes out into the crowd, the crowd that is chanting for his blood, and he dies in her place to set her free. That's the kind of king that Jesus is like. That's what he's like. He's the perfect priest. He is the perfect husband. The one who dies for the sake of the one he loves. I think this passage is such an amazing one to look at, right? Because look at his purpose, that she might be holy, different, set apart, 
cleansed, dressed in splendour. That's why he does it. Israel failed at being holy, but Jesus makes us holy, cleansing us so that on the last day we would be like that bride, dressed in white, perfectly pure, without spot or blemish. And he presents, uh, presents us to himself so that we might know him and be with him forever. And notice also from this passage, now he calls us to live out that holiness. We must not be like Israel. right? They just became like everyone around them. But now we're called to live differently, to live like Jesus. Now that holiness applies to all of us, men and women, guys and girls, uh, all the same, right? But since Judges... um, This passage that we've just read in Judges talks so much about uh, the treatment of women. I wanted wanted us to think along those lines. So let's have a look. Uh, See if you can see it right there in Ephesians 5. How are Christian men to be different? Well, husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ did. Give yourself up for them. That's what should define Christian husbands. Give up your own life, your own preferences, your own career. Give it up. Give up your own comfort for the sake of your wife so that they might grow in holiness, so that they might be safe and cared for. That's what it goes on to say in verse 28. That's how Christian men are to be different. That's what we should look for in Christian marriages and work towards. But what if you're not married? Well, in the morning services of St. Matt's, um, we were going, we've been going through 1 Timothy, and this morning's uh, passage was 1 Timothy 5, and here's what 1 Timothy 5 verse 2 says. Treat older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Old women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. If you're not married, uh, that's how Christian men treat women. That's the holiness that Jesus wants for us. Not to use them like a possession, uh, not to treat them like a prize, uh, not to exploit them or ignore them, uh, but to treat them with purity. Not to copy the world around us, but to treat them like sisters, like mothers, like our family. And it does spell it out, doesn't it? In all purity. You wouldn't look lustfully at your mum or your sister. Of course not. No, you'd be concerned for them. You'd talk with them. That's how we do it. Israel failed to be different. They failed to live under God's law failed to live in a way that pleased him. And so they just slowly but surely became like all of the nations around them. And you see that play out in Judges, all the way down to these final chapters, uh, in the appalling way that they treat women. But Jesus was different. He treated his bride with love and self-sacrifice and he calls us to do the same. Judges 
ends in utter darkness, but we have seen the dawn on the other side. We've seen Jesus. We are people who have received the love of the perfect priest and the perfect husband. And so that's what we want to be on about here at church. And we're going to sing about that now. We're going to respond in song, uh, fittingly singing of the deep, deep love of Jesus.